Welcome to Instruction Interruption, a podcast to celebrate New Mexico education in every corner of the land of enchantment. I am Tara Hughes, the 2023 New Mexico Teacher of the Year. Join me as I sit down with educational leaders and have candid conversations around pedagogical topics that are relevant in our state. My guests will share their stories and experiences they've had on their journeys. This podcast is sponsored by the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association and is produced in collaboration with the New Mexico Public Education Department. In today's podcast, I talk with Zach Taylor, the Executive Director of the Center of Transforming Education. Zach has taught and worked at every level of education, including college. He has developed progressive programs for the schools he's worked with, incorporating school-wide SEL, mindfulness, and experimental learning. He worked for eight years as a high school administrator, coaching teachers, creating curriculum, and cultivating positive connectedness throughout the school. For over a decade, he has also worked as a leadership coach, trainer, presenter, and consultant. He's a certified emotional intelligence leadership coach and consultant, as well as a trained mindfulness teacher and certified systems thinker facilitator. Before taking on the role as executive director at the center, Zach was the program director and lead consultant for five years. Join us for an insightful conversation as Zach discusses the transformative work happening at the Center of Transforming Education. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Instruction Interruption. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with someone who plays a pivotal role in the world of education, particularly in driving transformational leadership. I'm thrilled to have Zach Taylor with us, who serves as the Executive Director for the Center for Transforming Education. Hi, Zach. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Jared. Thanks. Really glad to be here. So before we dive into our conversation and um, I ask questions, I wanted to share a personal connection with Zach and the impactful work that is happening at the center. My school um, has been part of an incredible journey through the Transformational Leadership Initiative, one of the programs that you offer. And it's been a really remarkable experience to see myself grow as a leader, as well as my colleagues grow as leaders. So we're really eager to learn more about the center, gain insights into the heart of um, the transformational leadership. So welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks. And I just want to let you know, it's been like a total privilege and honor to be working with you and your colleagues and watching what the good things that are going on at the school you work at. And um, it's kind of one of our highlights as well, for sure. So appreciate you saying that. Yay. Thanks, Zach. So can you provide a a brief overview of the Center for Transforming Education and really like your primary goals? Sure, yeah. So um, we use a human-centered model for school transformation to to meet schools where they're at and and we use tools and processes that help facilitate schools having conversations to help them bring out a collective aspiration and a collective focus to create the type of, of transformation and, and really sort of the, you know, heartfelt goodness and greatness that they want to create. And so I, you know, sometimes I like to talk about what we're not in order to answer this question. What we're not is like a prescribed program that you can kind of just plug in and plug and play and it's packaged really, you know, perfectly and slick and, and there's places out there that that have that we haven't seen in our research and in our in our work around that that works nearly as well as really having the type of conversations that help bring out teacher voice that help bring student voice that help bring voices from the community together 
to see what it is that they want to create together. And we ask really two questions. What do you want to create together? And how do you want to be together? And these, these questions are, are questions we, we took from Peter Senge and the organizational development guru out of MIT. And then we have some, some key kind of what we think are really nice processes for, for helping schools and leaders answer this question to help them, help them find the greatness that's already there and the, and the wisdom that's already there. And then the concrete steps of, of getting to those places. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you really look at the school as a whole and tailor it to what they need that's that's our goal for sure yeah and what we know is like with with teacher buy-in with student buy-in with parent and community buy-in uh, we're much more people are people are more inspired and much more likely to reach those goals that they create um and to go through the hard challenges of like you know, the nitty-gritty work week to week day to day um of how to get there and the high level collaboration it takes to do it as well yeah and we've been having great high level collaboration with you coming into the school and working with us. So nice. Yeah, it's, seen fun that. it's fun to watch you all work together. It seems real natural there. And um, yeah, I really appreciate that work. Um, what inspired the creation, the center and what kind of specific challenges or needs in the education system does it really aim to address? So the inspiration came from, you know, a really compelling story. Linda Hankey, the founder of of the center, she was a, a superintendent. She took a job, even though she had a really nice cush job and in, in sort of like a, a a district that was going really well outside of St. Louis. She decided to take a job in a district that was about to be taken over by the state because it was it was performing at one of the lowest scores in this in the state. And this was in Missouri at the time, and. Over the course of 12 years, she transformed this district into being one of the top performing districts in the state through a human-centered transformational way. And people started noticing and they, you know, some funders came came to her and other institutes kind of came and said, wow, this was really remarkable what you were able to do with this district. How can, can you scale this and, and start spreading this and, and what would that look like? And she was somebody who was really, you know, super well-educated and went to conferences and met with all the right people from around the country, thought leaders from all around the country. And she kind of took pieces to, to do her work, but she, but she needed some, she needed some work to actually create a model that she could take out into the greater world to make it happen in other schools. And so she brought thought leaders together to do specifically that. And, and that's how we have our, our human-centered model of school transformation. And this is what we're using is this model that came out of out of her work and out of others' work. And, and it also came out of work um, from the Institute for School Partnership at Washington University and, and work that I had been doing as well. Like we, I helped flesh it out um, as well, sort of here, what it looks like in New Mexico in, in, those, in the early years. And then she just recently kind of really retired and handed it off to me. And now we're implementing this work here. And it's really to answer the second part of your question about you know, the specific challenges or needs that it's it aims to address. It's really, I mean, equity is kind of almost first and foremost for us because it's a human-centered model. It's 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 huge because we want to close the achievement gap for sure. But that's it almost saying that it's almost too much of a sterile way to say it. The way the way I might say it is more like we want to help every student thrive. We want to help every student find their best selves, every teacher find their best selves, and for every school to find its positive core, like what gives it juice, what makes it thrive so that all the people in it are thriving, regardless 
of you know any sort of advantage that they might have had based on background or socioeconomics or, or anything else and like let's get schools thriving and let's address it on a human level rather than sort of a, a transactional level which so many um sort of reform efforts have done and we don't use that term reform we use the word transformation because it it brings forth this more more inspired view is is how it's how i would call it yeah so what does it mean to really implement your work in in a human-centered way so we start with bringing the community together to do something called appreciative through a a process called appreciative inquiry which is like exactly what i was saying we actually have teachers and anybody in the in the room hopefully there's community members or parents and students and they interview each other and the questions are questions like when when school or education is really just had a lot of life or been very like had a lot of energy for you what was going on what did it look like what was happening and then you begin to see uh, you know for example i was up i was at a school district just recently and and they were they're they're having a tough time this particular district is having a tough time and and but when we started talking about kind of what was going well it became clear that they were there's a smaller community and that they really have this sort of generational community that is is helping each other when times get tough that wow. is like that the school is almost a center for the community that they come together in, in mul- you know multiple ways that there's generations of of like where people are going to school there then they're teaching there and then they're teaching the people's kids of people who went to school there you know and it's just like this generation and that became part of their positive core is that we know each other we we come together well and that we can we can be a strong community, right? Well, that might not be the case for other schools and, and larger districts that we work with. They find other things that they kind of like make as their foundation. We find what's that what's at that human center, whatever it is that where where people are already feeling like they thrive and what gets them excited, that's where we start. And we say, great, from that place, let's dream together about what we want to create from this place of our positive core. And and we call that a compelling purpose. And they create a compelling purpose, which is like a an aspirational um, focus, kind of like a mission statement, but it has all of that other juice that's already been come out in it. Yeah. And then they say, this is based on who we are, this is what we want to create. So for example, in that in that school that really looked at the community, they want to create the the school as a more focused <clears throat> community hub for for healing that came up for for thriving, for connecting to what and helping folks connect to the larger world and helping their kids connect to the larger world and success in the larger world, all from that place of like a rich cultural context. And that's in their compelling purpose. Well, that might not be the case for another place, right? So it has that human-centered piece to it. Yeah, that's beautiful. We just went through that process, um, writing our compelling purpose and coming up with our statement. And uh, yeah, we wrote a beautiful, compelling purpose about our our students and you know what we want to see. I love it. And I don't know, Tara, if I can ask you a question in a, in a podcast. Sure, yeah. I, I wonder, like, what do you, what you said, it's what do you like about it? Like, what has that done for you? Like, what's the- comp- For me, I think that it really, really sh- like drives me as an educator, right? Like when I read it, it brings me happiness and joy. And I look at it and it reminds me why I'm here, right? Like why I do what I do. Um, I liked it so much that 
I ended up getting a tattoo of dandelion seeds on my arm, right? Because part of our compelling purpose was finding like the joy in things that are unseen. Um, and that is something that really holds true to my heart. So uh, yeah, so it's those kind of things. Like it really reminds me why I'm an educator and why I do what I do, especially teaching in early childhood. That's awesome. I love that. And I love your the compelling purpose you all came up with. And I we've heard story, you know, sometimes people through this appreciative inquiry process, they'll come and say like, you know, I, it reminded me of a conversation I haven't had since, since teacher school where we were all inspired and like feeling like we could come out and change the world. How <clears throat> We got into it in the first place. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. To hear that. That's how you guys are feeling too. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really puts the children at, for us, for me, it put the students at the center uh, and which is the heart of our school. You know, nice. like we do everything for those kids. Um, and it reminds us that doing inquiry, right, and emergent curriculum and letting them explore. And it's all those things that were in the compelling purpose that really guide us, guide me. Nice. So, yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Sharon. That's great. Can you share any, like, success stories um, or examples that have had a significant impact on the faculty, administrators, and students um, through your work? Because I know you've been working, you've worked with a lot of schools, especially, I, I think, in Santa Fe public schools, right? Like where my district is. Can you share any of those, you know, those stories? Sure, yeah. I mean, we worked in, yeah, we worked in Santa Fe public in northern New Mexico districts as well. It kind of in this area has, has been really my my piece. And then it's, there has been some districts in St. Louis as well, where we kind of started, but really we're more focused here in New Mexico these days. Um, and the center certainly is. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I think one of the, one of the things we do that I, I think I'd like to connect to the, an earlier question about tailoring, how we tailor to schools is success looks really different in, in each school. Right. And it's, and it can be kind of nuanced. And I mean, one of the first things we see in, in every school we work at so far is that there's less turnover and attrition because the teachers are a little more inspired. They're a little feeling like, okay, wait, this might not be just one of those things where we get like some PD and the, the professional development person kind of comes in and like sprinkles some stuff on and we're supposed to implement it. And then they never, we never see him again. Like we, we come in for oftentimes three years at a time and work, work closely for three years and, you know, and, we don't, we tend to have like these flat fees. We don't work like hourly. So we're kind of in, I don't even want to know what our hourly is because it's probably <laughs> just like a teacher doesn't want to know what their hourly is. Yeah. We, we, right. We do what we do because we, <clears throat> it's the work that needs to, that needs to get done in order to help. And so we show up where we can, and that's kind of how we, we work with our, our center. So, you know, it, so for example, a lot like central to our work is deeper learning. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when, so when we're, it's helpful to have more stability. So when teachers are inspired and they feel like their voice is being heard, and then they all of a sudden start seeing things being implemented from their own voice, which is how what we do as, as the next step from the compelling purpose is say, okay, how are we going to implement some of these things? And so they start seeing like that happening and the leadership teams get, get convened, right? And yeah. then the principal doesn't feel like they have to do it all or pull everybody out through it alone, that you have leaders that are teacher leaders convened in there to, to help the principal do the work of, of moving the school forward and then help the teachers do the work of moving the school forward. So for example, a lot of times when we're doing deeper learning and we're asking teachers to think about what that means for their school, again, tailored to each school, 
we'll have schools a lot of times want to do like project-based learning. That's on the, that's on top and front of mind for many, or like you were talking about emergent curriculum for your school fit, fit more, right? That's the deeper learning that's happening there with the Reggio Emilia kind of bent to it. Right. And so if we're, so we work through with some K through eight schools and, and some deeper learning pieces have come out where around project-based learning. And then it's up to the principal to say, okay, you all have decided this. And the leadership team's like, yeah, we've decided this. And the teachers are like, yeah, we've decided this. And then the principal goes, okay, everybody has to do a project-based learning unit. And then that's when the teachers are like, but wait, we don't have time. And, you know, all the things come up. And then we say, okay, yeah. we're here. let's get creative about time. What do you need? What, what support do you need? And then we go back to the leadership team and talk about what are some creative supports and how can PLCs help? And what do we need to do to make PLCs better structured? So we start to get granular with the work, Right. And I'm kind of explaining this because it kind of shows how the success, like how it happens to get to success. It's not just like poof. It, and then yeah. that's why it takes three years because the second year, by the first year, we figured out kind of what you want to do. The second year, we figure out kind of how. By the third year, you oftentimes see it happening. So by the third year with a couple of different schools we worked at around this deeper learning, it looked really different. One school had this project-based learning piece going on. The principal and the teacher, the leadership team kept them accountable and one of my favorite stories is there was this really quiet teacher that we couldn't tell how engaged she was the whole time, but she kept coming back. She was, she, she signed up to be like, she applied to be one of the teacher leaders and she was, and it was, she wasn't really saying much, couldn't tell. I wasn't sure like if she was even into the deeper learning piece, but she kept coming a year after we stopped working with them. And there was this, I got asked to come back and look and, and kind of coach some of the teachers on on their project-based learning initiative because the principal was still holding their feet to the fire and saying, we need to each yeah. do one semester. I had teachers coming out of the woodwork showing me excited about the PBL they had done. And some of them were just fantastic. Like I just, like the one, especially one of them was like a major naysayer. I'm not talking about the quiet teacher. I'll get back to that part. There was one teacher who was a real kind of naysayer, wasn't into it, couldn't tell what was going on. She just, she was like, well... I did this and 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 this. I mean, she just kept going and this rich, deeper learning PBL unit and in her with her little kiddos. And it was just remarkable. It was one that I would put like as a showcase when and she was showing it. It was fantastic. And by the way, that school ended up doing a whole showcase on their PBL. That quiet teacher ended up reaching out into the community and doing one that we did showcase later in our in our in a big convening we had. You just, for me, it felt so beautiful to know that even the ones you can't tell, it, when there's a voice and choice in it, right? Because we want to give the teachers <clears throat> voice and choice. We want to give the students mm-hmm. voice. And we hold, we just have a little bit of accountability to make it happen with all the support that you need and like the structures, like the teachers can do it. And then they're proud of it and they're excited. And it was, the energy was really cool. And and that for me, I mean, I like teared up when I saw that the quieter teacher that I was talking about, like really show what I would call an exemplary uh, project-based learning piece that, you know, and made a video of it and the whole deal. Um, and like, I literally couldn't hold back the tears. So that's, I mean, a, a success of deeper learning because that's what we're here for, right? Was I, I saw what the students had learned through that and thought, wow, yeah. it's not just the go-getter teachers that are, that can do this work when there's enough support and structure and all the teachers can, yeah. Yeah. One part of the journey also that I feel like I've, you know, also gained from being part of this is the leadership 
um, you know, like peer-to-peer coaching, kind of leadership capabilities and like working together as a team in order to move ahead and hearing, taking in everybody's voices. And that's really been a really beautiful learning experience for me um, to see the school come together at, at my school and work together and hear everyone's a leader, right? It's not just it's not just certain educators or certain teachers, like we're all leaders working together. Yeah. And that's been beautiful. Yeah, nice. I think it, I think your school's a great example of that. It's the energy feels really good when we when we meet with your the teacher leaders there and then how you all are able to go out into your teams and and sort of and bring that same inspiration and same kind of the things we talk about, the things we learn into those uh, into those places, that's the ideal way that it can happen. You know, it doesn't always happen that way because ideally the teacher leaders are being a representative for the rest of the teacher voice too. And, and, you know, you're coming from either PLCs or grade band meetings or whatever and saying, Hey, this is really what I hear from my teachers. And this is where we want to go. And then we say, okay, what, how can we, how can we do this work? And, and then, you know, go back to them with like, okay, if this is where you want to go, this is what it's going to take. And this is how we have to structure protocols and keep ourselves accountable with sort of an internal accountability to it. Because that word accountability is a stressful for a lot of, has been used for so long, but the accountability we talk about is really not this external top-down piece, but this like, hey, we decided this, let's keep each other accountable to it, right? Are there any specific skill sets that the center focuses on, like during the capacity building process that you go through? Yeah. Or teachers? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I mean, we talk about something called called nested patterns, which are patterns of of like sort of mindsets and things that and skill sets that we want to see and help develop at every level of the organization and like students and teachers and custodians and front office people and principals, administration, whatever it is, those nested patterns can be seen. So things like empathy and compassion, how to communicate with empathy and compassion, how to communicate. Well, we talk about high level collaboration. That's a skill set. It can be learned. Right. And like these things, empathy can be learned and needs to be learned. And we and if we don't put some intention on it, then how do we know if people are, can learn it. And, and oftentimes, you know, we know in our society, so many people haven't really learned this, these yeah. things, right? So we talk about yeah. norms of collaboration, um, a growth mindset. So it's not exactly a skill, but it's a mindset that turns out to have really, that research shows has really significant effects on teaching and learning, like measurable effects on teaching and learning by itself. We understand that students and our other staff members and even our administrators can, can be Come better with the effort and support and trying and fail and failing forward and that that becomes mm-hmm. part of the culture of the school and another nested pattern and that we're supporting each other in that oh there's nothing a school can't do when, when growth mindset's really cultivated so those are the types of things and yeah we talk specifically about what it means to to have like protocols that allow for high level collaboration and we offer protocols and and tools that help do this type of work yeah. It's so interesting when you're talking about that, because I feel like that's what we do also as teachers to our mm-hmm. students, right? Like the same that's thing, right. empathy, compassion, growth mindset. It's just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, we have a whole set of, you know, trainings we do around like project-based learning 
as well, or the other types of deeper learning, like place-based learning, or or showing student displays, right? I think we call it we call it an ethic of excellence, and actually showing what excellence looks like up in um, displays. I talked about those two schools yeah. earlier, and one was doing PBL. The other one decided like their deeper learning wasn't exactly PBL; it just wasn't resonating with them. So we said, okay, we, how are you going to have an ethic of excellence, and how are you going to do deeper learning? And they had they put together these most amazing displays of student ah. work, and then they would walk through the displays. And they'd have them by grade level and they would all talk about the displays together. So the students knew what excellence looked like, but then the teachers would come and talk about it like, wow, your kids in fourth grade are doing that. I got to maybe step up my game a little in third grade to get them. That's where they're going. And how would you recommend we do that? Like, let's, let's think about those things and really showing and looking at student work in that way. And parents walk through and see what the school's doing. And it, it helps everybody understand, like, how are they doing deeper learning in the classrooms, right? Yeah. And we've kind of been on that journey too, um, implementing um, like focus boards or Zoom boards to really display um, the deeper learning with our children at the school. Yeah, I love those. And yeah, and using those to to kind of move teacher practice forward, right? You guys have done yep. protocols with that. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. And to know where to move, to reflect on the teaching that we're doing, to reflect on our children's learning. And it's really helped me grow as an educator to say, OK, this is where I'm going to go next, especially like in emergent curriculum um, that I'm bringing into the classroom. Left. Can you just kind of talk about like you foster a culture of ownership um, and commitment for that change? Right. That's happening among like the, fa- the among administrators the faculty and kind of like the broader school community. Yeah, man, I had a powerful moment the other day in a, in a training where we were just starting with the school and they, they were like, so Zach, one, one, like this feisty teacher who had been participating a lot, you could tell she was excited about this, but then she was like, you know what, Zach, I got to ask you something. She was like, so what you're going to like get us all excited here. And she didn't realize that this was a longer process. She thought I was just there for the day. And she said, so we're just going to like get us all excited, do this thing, and then you're just going to leave. And we're supposed yeah. to just do it. And, and, I said, and I said, no. And I told her, like, I'm coming back. There's the, like, we already have some things on the schedule for me to come back. We've got to get more on, but we're working. We're working to find some money for it all to happen. You know, sometimes it's a process, but, I, but I never, we don't do one-offs ever. So there's always multiple dates. And she goes, oh, so you're going to help us? Like, just like it was a new revelation, like somebody might come in and help. And you just saw like everybody's shoulders like go down and people look up a little bit more and be like, this might be something we can do, right? Like together, there might be somebody who's going to like support us in like a real effort here versus, like I said, just kind of maybe a slick program that comes in. And it's not always like that. There are lots of other organizations that really do really good efforts and help. You know, I'm not saying I'm we're the only one, but yeah. they're kind of they're a little bit fewer and further between, you know? So uh, for me, that that sort of trust we can build, that sort of like I'm in this with you helps a lot with the ownership. And then, of course, like the voice that we talked about before, that it was starting with teacher voice and saying, I'm only here to help you get to where you want to get to. And for them to see see a whole process dedicated to that, I think really helps them say like, OK, this guy just spent a whole day figuring out what we really want. It was probably important to him or uh, or whoever the trainer is doing our work, you know, like let's continue on let's let's see if this can is really a thing but there it's always skeptical at first you know because yeah people have seen so many people other folks come and go right 
Mm-hmm. And when, uh, like reflecting back on our experience, uh, it's been really wonderful to build the relationships, right, with mm-hmm. you and with Linda. Um, and that has helped us move forward, right? Because in order to move forward, I feel like that there has to be this trust um, that we have with one another. Uh, and that happens over the time as you work with one another. And so you both built a really beautiful trust where we can go in and you know, it's a safe space um, in order to make mistakes and to move forward. Um, and I feel really supported. Uh, that's good. That's really good to hear. I mean, it's it's awesome to be able to walk into a place where I'm, you know, doing professional development as a consultant and like give hugs. It feels really different to me too. And it's it's the only way I'd want to do this work, honestly. I don't want to be that other person, you know, so much. So, so are there any upcoming developments or like innovations within the center that you're really particularly excited about that's happening? You know, wh- one thing that's interesting we, we've just, we've done recently um, is uh, strengthen our relationship with um, the Social Emotional Learning Alliance for New Mexico and SEL Florida. Yeah, and and the executive director is uh, actually another mentor of mine from a long time ago, somebody I've worked with for a couple of decades and we've kind of recircled back and, and worked more, now we're working more closely. And we've recently done this a couple of times where we do the appreciative inquiry work together and she brings a strong SEL perspective and we bring mindfulness in, which we both have a background in and, and answer that question. Remember, I start with two questions, right? What do we want to create together and how do we want to be together? And sometimes in the past, we had done a little more on that first piece on what we want to create together. And then we sort of get later on how we want to be together and now we're sort of infusing both to both at the same time which is like really mm-hmm. looking like even right from the beginning like your first group work we do to create uh to create that positive core i was talking about within the appreciative inquiry process we actually will reflect on like how did that feel how was that together what's a good way to be together the ne- in this next the next time we come together an hour from now what would it be like to have a, a higher level collaboration and to be more self-aware and to find some empathy. And it sounds like a small tweak, but what I'm feeling is it's super important and a, and a really important nuance that we've just added about how to weave in the SEL, adult yeah. SEL, talking about yep. adult social emotional learning and moving yeah. towards emotional intelligence right from the beginning of the process. So then it starts the with us first before we really bring it to the classroom. Absolutely. And it's cool that some there's some really new, clear research that shows that, too. You can't teach what you don't have, right? We can't give what we don't have and we don't know. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the new that's the new thing now. And more partnerships yeah. are, are good. It's a win-win for, for folks is how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, it was so wonderful talking to you. And thank you so much for sharing everything about the center. And um, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Tara. I'm a fan. appreciate you and all that you do and uh, look forward to connecting more. Zach, if we, um, if listeners want to look up the center, where could they go? Yeah, so they can go to centerfortransforminged.org, centerfortransforminged.org. And there's plenty there and there's, they can contact me there if they're interested in and get a little piece of our story and even some resources and videos and those types of things too. And and we're we're it's it's the the website's a little bit in its infancy, so we're we're developing it more. But um, yeah, that's the place. Center for Transforming Ed dot org. 
Thanks, Zach. Thank you again to my guest, Zach Taylor, for his time and to the New Mexico Public Education Department and New Mexico Oil and Gas for their sponsorship. To all the educators of New Mexico, thank you. Thank you for your dedication in building and empowering the children of New Mexico to be leaders, problem solvers, and innovators. Just like we say in our classroom, you are kind. You are smart. You can do hard things. We're going to have a great